0: Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now get ready for another episode of Dark Becomes Light with Heidi Hollis.
1: You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Welcome to my show. Remember, each week you could come here to hear the most unique conversations when it comes to your personal encounters with anything and everything out of the ordinary. Be sure to visit my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com. Send me whatever it is that you'd like to share, comment on, or even get advice on. Send it through my main website, and I will address it here on the air. And always, if you'd like to be a guest on this program, please indicate that. I welcome anybody to come here and share about whatever it is they would like to when it comes to shedding some light on topics we don't always discuss out in the open. And that's just it. It is all about bringing these things out into the open. There's nothing to be ashamed about. The more we talk about these things, the more commonplace they will become. So let's all get comfortable. Let's settle down. And let's just be human. Now, you may have noticed at the beginning of this program that I introduced the show as dark becomes light versus the darker side of life. Because when you think about it, my books and the things that I cover, For the most part, it is about bringing things into the light, into a lighter space to look to the more positive. Yes, these topics that I discuss are put into that darker side of our lives where we don't always talk about them. As I was saying, bringing it into the light is the goal. So why not change the whole show title to be exactly what this show is about? So that's what we all decided to do here at Coast to Coast AM. I think it's a great move and I hope you enjoy it. I think it reflects more of who I am and where we're going with all of this. Let me know your thoughts about the change. My website is not just about receiving your emails about what you're experiencing, but I want your opinions. I want you to help shape the flow and the goals of this show. I am all about keeping it real, remaining down to earth, because I always say I'm someone who has been there, seen that, experienced it, freaked out, found some answers, wrote about it and got over it. And now I'm hoping to help everyone do the same thing because, wow, it is quite the process. A a lot of us who sit behind these type of shows, we come from a place of experience. Sure, there are some that are just simply researchers, but even if they're just researchers, they tend to have experiences themselves at some point. Because when you start talking about this stuff, that stuff starts looking back at you, wondering, where did you come from? (laughs) And let me show you the truth. So I've been there. I've been through it since I was as young as I can recall. I have seen everything from (laughs) the terror that a lot of people have when it comes to clowns. I saw a robotic toy clown that came after me and my kid sister. I've seen ghosts, I've seen shadow people, I've seen angels, I've even had encounters with Jesus. And out of everything, I was a pretty big skeptic when it came to people reporting to have encounters with Jesus. Because I've seen angelic beings and I just assumed people must be seeing angels and thinking it's Jesus. Because I've seen them, I didn't give it that title to say, oh, must be Jesus. I have seen so many strange things and it's been a learning experience. And I really hope that I can help everyone grow along with me. It's hard to paint the perfect picture so everybody understands what it is that you've experienced. And, oh gosh, I've so many times wished that I could just peel my eyeballs out and give them to people (laughs) so they can see what I have seen. And I never have considered myself to be a psychic or a guru or anything out of the ordinary like that. I just thought I had bad luck or weird luck to experience the things that I have, but you know, there's a reason behind everything and I am always learning, I'm always growing, and I have learned more about why it is I've seen some of the things that I have and someday I'll talk a little bit more about that. These are strange times we're living in, and there's a reason why there are more and more of us who are feeling this inner pull that tells us there's something really important we're supposed to be doing right now. I've been meeting these very unique people online who are just like, I don't know why I'm reaching out to you, but I feel like you get me. And... I feel like I'm in this battle for something and and I'm I'm waiting here and I'm I'm just pacing myself and, and I'm like, where do you live? They tell me, Guatemala. I'm over here. I'm over there. And I'm like, nice to know there's another warrior hanging out because we are waiting. There is something about to go down and we all feel that, don't we? And now we're being faced with one of the most incredibly difficult crises in modern times. But you know what? We're going to get through this and everybody's like, it's the end of the world. It's all so horrible. I feel you. It's been a very difficult time for most people. I don't know anyone who's had a great time this past year. But you know what? It's a time of change versus a time of destruction only. We're going to grow through this. We're going to get through it. And we're going to see. There's a lot of light at the end of this tunnel and we'll get there together. Today in the last couple of segments for the show, I have a tremendous guest that you're going to really enjoy Nathaniel Gillis. He is a demonologist and just extraordinarily gifted in explaining some of the challenges that we are dealing with today and of yesterday and how we can all kind of fight the good fight. Now. Getting to some of your emails. I've got one here that is very interesting. This comes to us from Sherry. And she says, Dear Heidi, my name is Sherry. And around six years ago, at the age of 50, just out of nowhere, I began to develop psychic abilities. Wow, that's cool. God only knows what that means and why at that age. When it happened, I started having a lot of problems from family members because of it. They just didn't believe me. And it really sucked. (laughs) I can imagine. To make a long story short, I found a school in England. A prestigious one where I learned some discipline on this new ability. It gave me focus, structure, and most importantly, what was going on in my head. As I began to develop these abilities more, something different happened to me that didn't happen to the other ladies in the school. I began to feel and see things that the others could not. First, I just started seeing ghosts, just everyday people who were earthbound for regular reasons or fear. Some even stuck around for family ties and such. But then, out of nowhere, entities showed up that were capable of changing shape. Some were even ancient, creepy, and Egyptian people. Some were non-human beings. That's where it went to crap, so to say. (laughs) The school does not advocate these beliefs. They only conduct their business in the spirit world. All while I'm seeing black little entities run around people and I had no way to explain or express these things. I have way more stories and stranger things to share than I am able to write here and my abilities are way out of the ordinary. The reason I write this I see that you have your share of horror stories. (laughs) I would say so. (laughs) I was wondering if you have a way to keep them away or prevent them from what they do. I really just want to destroy them. (laughs) But I cannot find any valuable information on how to say stop it or take them on or defeat them, disable them something other than just look at them. Thank you for any help. You may afford me, Sherry. (laughs) Quite the character there, Sherry. Um, Yeah, I understand. I have been talking and dealing with this type of thing for a long time. And it's like, you don't see what I see. You don't see what's going on here. How do we take this on? So I, I get it. And I'm sorry. That is really bizarre, out of nowhere, at the age of 50 to get these types of abilities I'm wondering if something happened that you just didn't share here. I mean, did you have an illness? Did you hit your head? Um, It seems to be those are the triggering things that cause people to suddenly have psychic abilities. Um, Could have been some kind of a shift in, in your structure of who you are. I don't know. I mean, that that is quite rare and quite fascinating but lucky you um, I have to address something that you mentioned here that oh my gosh I have a lot of friends that are psychics and love them to pieces but most of them are like what you're saying <laughs> with the school oh we don't want to look at dark things no 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 everything is love and light love and light that's all we want to deal with and I'm like yeah but I'm sitting here with the knowledge of having seen that little black thing just scurried behind your desk. And they say, ignore the spirit. It's like, ignore the spirit. That's so easy to say, easier said than done, you know? So I feel for you having to bear witness to this, but it can be taken on in a certain way. And I'll go into some depth about how to do that when we come back from the break. You guys, you are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast
2: Network. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. There's more Heidi Hollis coming right up.
3: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
1: Did you know that tests that could save your life from cancer are now available for little or no cost thanks to the healthcare law called the Affordable Care Act? Let this be the year you get screening tests that can help detect cancer early when it's most treatable. Don't let concerns get in your way. Talk to a doctor or other medical professional to learn more about the best cancer testing options for you.
2: You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network with the best shows that explore the paranormal, supernatural and the unexplained. You can enjoy all shows on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.
1: Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio at Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. (laughs) If you notice, we got a new title to this show. I hope you guys enjoy it. And please let me know what your thoughts are about it, because I think it reflects more what this program is all about, shedding some light on these darker topics that are less spoken of in the world today. But we're going to change that, right? That's the goal. All right. So before the break, I had an email from Sherry who mentioned at the age of 50, she suddenly became psychic. She was able to see things that other people weren't. She got some training on how to focus this new gift that she got and they were all just focusing on love and light. Just ignore the dark stuff. She started to see what she called were ghostly apparitions Egyptian looking people. And these little black things that we all know and can't stand are shadow people. They were shape shifting, they were doing things and she didn't go into detail about that. But she wants to know how she could do the smackdown on them, essentially. Which I understand, Sherry. That's my whole goal is to try to get people to push these things out of their way and out of their lives because their presence limits everybody, including you who has these gifts. But imagine, if you could clear the way and get these dark things out of our space, you'll see more angelic beings among us. When the darkness leaves, everything changes. And that's where we're going to get to, because I'm not going to stop until we do. How about that? So I love your enthusiasm on how to do the smackdown on these things that you're really wanting to figure a way on how to not watch them only, but like kick them out. (laughs) So I tell people, you don't want to challenge these things. You do not. Uh, You don't want to go at them. You don't want to run from them either. Ignoring them doesn't always help either. Of course, you don't want to feed into them with fear. Um, And you know, when you run that feeds into them when you swing at them, that's anger and hatred. That's kind of like what they, they love as midnight snacks. So no, we don't want to do any of that. What we want to do is stand in our greatness. Okay, that we can be just fine where we're at. Imagine standing like a brick wall. And as they come. It's just a pinky. Just give him a pinky of, of, of effort. No. And have that confidence to stand tall and firmly. That's when you sprinkle some Jesus on it on top of it all. Because these things are ancient and wise and very powerful. But so are we. Our souls are a lot older than we give credit. But Jesus is the force to take on their king, okay? This is kind of like a chess game, if that makes any sense. They come at you, you block them. We're not the ones to go on the attack, okay? That's not the that's not the mission. The mission is to just push them back from whence they came. Protect your space. They didn't come from you they don't live in your house. That's not their original form is your home. Right? So find the button that pushes them out and that button is light. That light comes from God. I'm Christian. I use Jesus. Push them back from whence they came. And that is protecting your space. Okay. So bless your space. Up, they can't get in. (laughs) That keeps them out of there and it pushes further out the more and more people do it. Does that make sense? So using that protective sense and that protective method helps with that. Now, it doesn't help when we look at people and we see these shadowy things hanging on them. I feel your pain. Imagine if that person had protected their space and do like I do. I use my cross necklace to bless my space and then I keep my cross with me. Do you think these shadowy things are going to come scurrying around me? No, they keep their distance. Every once in a while they might take a peek but I'm like, look, bro, not dealing with you. The door is there. And this is why I try to tell friends, family, anybody that'll pay attention. You've got to do this method and protect yourself because I can't do it for you. We all have to participate. And people are like, oh, that's that religious thing. Uh, You know, when you feel bad mojo. Why do we know that? Because we are more than the husk that you see, right? We know, we get those tingly sensations or spidey senses or whatever it is. Act on it. Stop pretending that you don't have it. All right. Thank you so much, Sherry, for taking the time to send that in and check that out. You know, a lot of people feel like, oh, I can't be psychic. I'm not born with it. Some people are just gifted. She's 50 years old and she became gifted. She didn't seem to understand how or why, but it can happen to the best of us opening up our hearts and minds. So I came across something rather fascinating online. There's so many people who have experienced what they are deeming to be sleep paralysis. And it's just a mere coincidence you're seeing a man in a hat or shadowy things. I beg to differ. Okay. <laughs> I think you guys realize that by now. Um, so this the story and people sharing their experiences comes from thoughtcatalog.com. And the article is called 15 people on their experience with the sleep paralysis demon. Really? Okay. All right. So this one is entitled someone saved me. And this person writes one night, as I was trying to fall asleep, my arm fell through the bed. That really struck me personally. Ah, If you guys don't know my story about that. Unbelievable. And they continue. Obviously, my physical arm was still lying on the bed. Usually when this happens, I just pick my arm up, but this time I got curious. How long would it last? So I started waving my arm around and my shoulder slipped through. This was new and exciting. I moved my fingers around, swung my arm around some more and got bold. I consciously attempted to push my head through the bed. It worked. But what I saw was nothing. I don't mean I couldn't see, but it was as if something was in fact nothing in this space. I must sound totally bonkers right now. I could feel, though, that there was something farther away. My fear being exactly zero at this point, and my curiosity impossible to control, I threw caution to the wind and tried to reach out as far as I could for whatever it was I could feel out there. Big mistake. My leg slipped. The rest of my torso slipped. My other arm slipped and my hips started to fall in. At the very last moment, when my left leg was all that was attached, and I was about to go, I realized somehow that what I was reaching for was not a thing I wanted to interact with. There was fear of an intensity equal to my rage during sleep paralysis, fear like I've never experienced. At this point, I tried to pull back, but there was nothing I could do. I tried to swing my leg back up to smash into my body, but it was stretched down, like being pulled into a void. My other knee slipped, nothing but my foot and ankle down and part of my left hip holding me up at this point. I was pretty sure I was about to be gone whatever that means. Just at that last second, something reached in, grabbed my shoulder, and yanked me back up like it was nothing. I really can't explain this properly either. The hand felt solid, powerful, like I was in its natural habitat. It pulled me back up With all the difficulty of lifting a cotton ball, (laughs) I slammed back into my body with a feeling of finality, as if to say, no freaking way, I'm letting you fall into that. (laughs) That was awesome. But you know, we have these out-of-body experiences every so often, and And yeah, we get curious. We want to take a look and see what we can find. But oftentimes there's something waiting, hoping that you dare travel so they can grab you. Luckily, we have an opposing side that's willing and quick to pull us back when we go too far, but not everybody. How many people die in their sleep and why? Could this be an explanation? think it's a possibility coming up next demonologist nathaniel gillis you are in for a treat you guys better stick around for this one you are listening to dark becomes light with me heidi hollis on the iheart radio and coast to coast am paranormal podcast network we'll be right back
2: everybody You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network, heard on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows.
3: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future.
0: And now more Heidi Hollis on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And as promised, I have a fabulous guest today, Nathaniel Gillis. He is a religious demonologist and author. And after living in a haunted house, Nathaniel spent 20 years researching what it was he encountered. Nathaniel has sought to redefine the nature of haunting phenomena, ghosts and high strangeness. He's often quoted for his concept of the demonic, saying the reason they are playing by different rules is because... They are playing a different game. Welcome to the show, Nathaniel. How are you doing today?
6: I'm doing very good, Heidi. It's an honor and pleasure to be with you. I'm so excited to be on the show today.
1: Yeah, same here. You know, you have such a wealth of information, and I always find it fascinating to hear where people began. You, you and I have something in common. We both grew up in a haunted house. So right. where did this launch off for you?
6: Oh, my goodness. It started as early as the open house. Even before we purchased the home, my parents took me in and showed me what will become my room in the future. And um, they kind of just said, you know what, Nate, take a look around. This is going to be yours here soon. We're going to go in the kitchen and talk to the uh, realtor. Well, I'm kind of poking through the room, you know, opening up the closet, trying to figure out where I'm going to put my bed and all that. And I was uh, drawn, for some strange reason, drawn to look underneath the bed that was in the room. And so I remember kneeling down, pulling the blanket up, and as soon as I did, my eyes were met with a full-bodied apparition of a pale little girl. She looked to be about six years old. And uh, when, I, when our eyes met, she shimmied her body all the way back to the, the wall, the furthest from me. And so it was, I mean, just that, that early onset, that was my first experience with with a paranormal disturbing and yeah it was quite disturbing and so you know she was, she was i'm talking like you know how you hear people say okay they see an apparition that, that it looks like it's just a regular person they can't put them anywhere they can't place them. that's exactly what happened Heidi. Huh. and uh, so she was beautiful i mean my god she was uh, pale she had long black hair Uh, She was wearing a white linen dress that that had to, it looked at least to have been made during the turn of the century. But uh, once we moved into the home, the presence in the house manifested more malevolently. There would be a rancid stench that would fill my room at night. There would be uh, shadow figures. I mean, I I had the whole gamut of paranormal experiences. I mean, everything except UFO abduction. Thank God. (laughs) And, wow. but um that's where i begin so you know
1: Amazing. so it, it, do you find that significant that it always seems to be uh haunting involves
6: a little girl what, what? yeah um i think in some cases we are dealing with actual apparitions in terms of disincarnate consciousness um on the other hand i do believe that there are entities the parasitic nature that uh will manifest as a little girl to get consent or to appear to someone in a uh, an image that they would have compassion for. And so I think one of, both of those you know they they have their own roles in this phenomenon but um yeah that that entity in particular it was uh, it was pretty wicked.
1: Yeah, and I I always say that uh definitely allows you to let your guard down because like, it's just a little girl. I'm, I'm okay. What can a little Ex- girl do to me?
6: It's exactly right. You know? And so it, and most, it was, it was an interesting uh, experience for me. And, you know, honestly, the only way I could cope with what I was experiencing was to tell myself that what I was experiencing was more of a language and not just a manifestation of evil. And so, uh, you know, there were, I mean, there was intense moments. I would wake up sometimes and I would hear a full blown conversation going on over my head. And so, you know, it was, it was a fascinating time. Not going to lie about that, but it was pretty haunting. No pun intended.
1: My goodness. But did you have siblings or anyone that you could vent to? How'd your parents take it?
6: It had pretty much shut me down. I had detached myself from my family members, Uh, My my parents were working, uh, I think it was like first shift. Uh, Yeah, so I would be in school, you know, like when they were at work, but they they would be in bed early, you know, and so that entity would usually manifest to me at nighttime when I was alone. But uh, there were times (laughs) where I would be like 12 years old and I'd be pulling my mattress off my bed. And like hoping they didn't see me sneak into their room. I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be alone with them. Yeah. And it took me a while to gain enough strength inwardly to confront it myself. So until then, I was that annoying little kid.
1: oppressed <laughs> and uh, suppressed and depressed.
6: Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a uh, – from what I can tell, and this is just by the way it victimized me during that time, it was, uh, it had a depression on it. Like it was very depressive and it was suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that for two reasons. It wasn't just, okay, how did they make me feel when I was in that house? But the spirit of suicide of people that deal with it is, it's got like a soft spot in my heart. I mean, I, I've been in restaurants before and people have sat down and I immediately know and I begin to talk to them and, and kind of not really minister to them in the sense of like evangelical wise, but just talk to their heart, you know? And it's almost like a, a, a gift of discernment, and I can pick it up easier now than I would have, you know, if I never went through what I went through in that house.
1: Exactly. So, And your background is as a minister, correct?
6: Yeah. 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 I preached all across the country, and I just, I just kind of got burnt out on it. I saw a lot of things that people don't usually see behind the scenes, and I decided to take everything that I've been given and help people in a secular form you know, in the houses and stuff. So not just at a local, local church.
1: I see. So you, you moved it into a more personable level for yourself oh, to get your message across.
6: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that everybody, everybody hurts in different ways and you don't have to be religious to be hunted. <laughs> so I've decided to confront the darkness head on.
1: And exactly for yourself and others, how did this become, where you're now a demonologist of sorts, what, <laughs> how to How'd you do this? how uh, did you code this? Is a, oh, my goodness. Pretty deep, pretty deep. Yeah,
6: I didn't punch the ticket myself. How about that? I, uh, <laughs> no, um, you know, I, I constantly went back in my mind and tried to understand what it was I experienced, why I was experiencing, and no one else in my family was. And I knew I wasn't crazy. I knew it was all real, but I didn't understand what it was supposed to mean. And so that's when I began my research into demonology as a study. And so, you know, what I've been doing recently is I've been filling my mind with ancient manuscripts, going back to Sumer, Mesopotamia, the Akkadian texts, uh, the origin of the unclean spirit in the Bible. And I'm trying to get a better understanding of what our ancestors in antiquity believed regarding possessing entities, demonology, and whether or not, I do believe it does, but whether or not it plays a role in, you know, the 21st century paranormal field. So that's, that's where my, uh, my study is at this moment.
1: Fascinating. So your research into demons and unclean spirits,
6: mm-hmm.
1: there's a twist, you believe, that's connected to implants?
6: 100%. 100%. The implant in history... Um, it it originated through necromancy. And so if we go into the Old Testament, we have the character in Genesis, his name's Laban. And he was, he was quote unquote, an idolater. And when I was growing up in church, I kept hearing that, an idolater. And I I just thought that he made figurines, honestly, (laughs) and worshiped them. And I wish that was the case, but no, Laban worshiped what were called family gods, And so uh, he was a necromancer. So what would happen is uh, they would have a family member die, and then they would bury that family member underneath their house. And then they would create an idol in the image. This is why Yahweh said don't make an image of me. This is very interesting. But um, then they would create an image, a metallic image of that dead ancestor with the intention of the consciousness of that deceased person uh, inhabiting oh. the statue they're creating. And they were called teraphim. And so uh, then this is very interesting too. Laban would go out. He would find a victim. It was, it could have been a murder victim. It could have been somebody that fell at his own hand. Um, and he would take them into his house. This is very important. Because these entities are fully aware of this. And you can tell I'm getting passionate, Heidi. You know me. Uh, Yeah. yeah, yeah. uh, They're very much aware of this reality. And many times, our demonologists aren't. And that's, you know, until we get down to the dirt of this. But so um, Laban would take the victim. He would take the head. He would bury it in the wall. And then he would take a metallic bar and carve the name of an unclean spirit on it. Then he would take that barn and plant it underneath the tongue. And that consciousness that had left the body, the Bible calls it a wind. Um, Our ancestors also called called it unclean air. It's the consciousness that leaves the body at death. But that consciousness of the ancestor would then possess that head and speak to Laban by virtue of necromancy. And so there is a strain of evil, at least, that we are encountering in homes that is aware. They, these are necromantic entities. Uh, I will say this, like when we have um, Andrea Peron in the Conjuring House and her mother was awoken one night. This is very interesting. And there were shadow figures saying there are seven dead soldiers buried in the wall right yes. why are they referring to that to us of course who are in the 21st century now we're removed from that period of history where you know we don't understand exactly what they're referring to they're referring to family gods mm-hmm. this is incredible and so that was the origin of the metallic implant and so uh, you know it's that kind of research that i'm doing because i do believe that in order to understand the game they're playing We have to understand their rules. And I think that in many cases in history, we've seen glimpses of those rules at play.
1: How disturbing. Wow. Well, we're going to cut to our next break. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
3: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
5: At ParanormalDate.com, you meet the most
3: fantastic people.
7: Hi, I'm Tom. Hi, I'm Jennifer. What brings you here?
3: Yeah, I'm here to meet someone who understands me. How so? Well, I'm into UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, the paranormal, that kind of stuff. But can't seem to find anyone who gets it.
7: Oh, well, um, nice to meet you, Tom. I
5: I gotta go.
3: Uh, okay. Guess that's not your cup of tea. You
5: sure? Very. Good luck with that i can't meet anyone when i'm out and i really can't find a
7: website for my unique interests what is one to do have you thought about paranormaldate.com para what dot what who are you i'm a paranormal matchmaker and it's paranormaldate.com it's a website for people looking for people like them stuff you like remember interesting Uh, i'll give it a try well let's try this again
4: Uh, hi i'm tom Hey, I'm Deb. Your profile on ParanormalDate.com looked very interesting. So you really saw
3: a UFO? Well, yeah. It was so intense, but not as intense as meeting you.
4: You're an alien chasing flirt, but I kind of like it.
3: Wow. This ParanormalDate.com thing really works.
7: Maybe ParanormalDate.com is for you. People with an interest in things they hear on George's show find their match daily. So if you're looking for that special someone... With an interest in UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, and of course the paranormal, come to the dating site inspired by George Norrie. It's always free to search, and if you decide to upgrade to our amazing new features, use promo code GEORGE for a great discount. Paranormaldate.com. You are not alone.
3: The four. <laughs> four
5: <in the> <laughs>
6: The Art Bell Vault has classic audio waiting for you now. Go to coasttocostam.com for details. Hey the, Coast hey, the Coast to Coast AM, Coast AM YouTube, YouTube channel is waiting channels. for you now. Go to coasttocostam.com for more information.
2: And now more Heidi Hollis on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I'm here with my guest, Nathaniel Gillis, who was just talking in depth about necromancy and family gods, which is mind-blowing. It really does take things to a whole other level. And ball game like you were
6: describing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a whole different ballgame for us as researchers. And the, the scariest thing is that um, these entities are very knowledgeable about rites and rituals, to a degree that sometimes they will mock us in our faces, and we will not understand exactly what's going on. Um, now, like, like for, for instance, I was, uh, I'm a big fan of Malachi Martin, and I know a lot of us are the exorcists that uh, worked with the Vatican for many years. But in his book, Hostage to the Devil, he mentions that how he was performing an exorcism And he said the Lord's Prayer back, or he said the Lord's Prayer. That's what it was. He said the Lord's Prayer during the exorcism. And uh, it was a successful exorcism um, in that regard. But he went home that night, was sleeping, and he he woke up. He heard a noise, and he turns around. And again, just like the parents, he sees, this time it was four shadow figures that were speaking in unison, they were saying the Lord's prayer backwards to him. And I didn't understand why they would do this. Cause I'm thinking, okay, these are, these guys don't waste time. You know, they're not just there to scare him. That was, that had a lot, you know, going on with it. So I began to research that. And it wasn't until I got into the 16th century and the age of the demoniac. And I went into the D book literature the um, debuk phenomenon for those who aren't uh, aware, because I wasn't either, but it's not just tethered to a a wine box, um, literally. And I'm not like intentionally trying to terrify people, but the word debunk, the entire concept of the debunk or debunk, is literally the impregnation of the dead in the bodies of the living. And again, when we think about that, we think about the idol, right? It's possessed. It's speaking. It has an image. Well, in the D-book phenomenon, there is an exorcist. His name is Isaac Luria. Isaac Luria was famous for his rituals. He was very successful. And he would go into the, the homes of these demoniacs and he would whisper in their ear prayers forward and backwards. And that was just a, one of his ways that he would, uh, you know, get rid of that entity. So what exactly were they trying to do to Malachi Martin, right? Were they just mocking him um, or they, were they demonstrating their knowledge of this, this exorcistic rite, Or more importantly, were they performing their own ritual as spiritual warfare against him? And so that's why I, I'm doing this research, and I think I'm, hopefully it'll be a contribution to the field.
1: Well, yeah, and it kind of connects the dots between uh, the demonic and alien abductions with these implants.
6: Oh, and, 100%. Yeah,
1: and it, it's it's something uh, personally I've, I've researched and coming into the, the know of shadow people and how they were connected mm-hmm. to aliens and the human soul and this whole game with the hat man. So mm-hmm. what is... The molters, what does that name mean?
6: Well, the molters, it is a self-replicating species of evil. These are like, like, okay, some people would call them Nephilim. Some people would call them uh, demons in the sense that they would possess people. In order to define what a molter is, we have to first define what possession as a phenomenon is. So possession is necromancy. It is when that entity that has died, is disincarnate, tries to uh, commandeer the consciousness of another human being. And so what they will do is they will step into the skin of that individual and will wear them as a second self. Matter of fact, Fritz Kramer calls it the social skin. And whenever that entity is done living in the skin of another human, it will molt them like an insect, like a cicada or a, uh, what is it, a locust. And when it molts them, it leaves that skin and it'll go to another one. And so we would define that as transient possession. The molters, however, are not um, like transient in the way that they possess people. They, they use possession as a form of pregnancy. This is very important, guys. So let's go back to the 16th century and the Deboot phenomenon. What would begin as an incubus case to a woman, like, okay, so a woman would be sleeping and a spirit would appear to her in the form of a man. He would um, coerce her into a physical relationship. I'm making this PG, right? A yeah. coerce her into physical relationship. The next day, that woman would, ve- would then be possessed by that incubus spirit. I didn't know that was connected, right? Until I got into the 16th century and started going down these case studies. Yeah. So then you would have the woman going to the exorcist. The exorcist would begin to communicate with the possessing entity and then look in her belly. And her belly, you could see the entity was crawled up in the fetal position and it looked like she was pregnant with the entity. Wow. And so that led the exorcists to ask the question, was she pregnant or possessed by it? And so that's why we have to understand as researchers, at least with, with possession, goes, uh, that what we would call possession, these entities call pregnancy. And, and that's why it's so, I mean, I can go deep and deep and deep, but that's why we have to keep looking at the missing fetus syndrome in the UFO abduction phenomenon. We have to look at why it was uh, that, that like Father Sinestrario of Amina, the Franciscan priest, he would have incubi cases where um, they would actually go and collect biological samples left from the incubi spirit. And so which tells us one thing, this is, this is very interesting, guys, that the entities, these incubi entities, are not just interested in a relationship. They're interested in pregnancy. and And, and
1: that takes uh, us to the alien phenomena too
6: of course it does i mean that
1: the total uh like you're mentioning about the the missing uh fetuses and uh what it what i was told about that going Mm -hmm. on is that these babies are being born loyal to the dark Mm -hmm. side because they were created by them so yes so this it it's it, it, it i got chills because i'm like i know this this is yes and i was right. pulled this from the alien side but you know tomato tomato <laughs> angel uh, exactly. aliens you know so i i'm i'm feeling you and i'm, I'm just i'm i'm all in it so I, I i see where you're coming from
6: yeah it's um it's a terrifying tale of apocalyptic evil And like even if we go go back into biblical antiquity and we go to Genesis 6 and the Nephilim, see, this is very interesting, too, because uh, if you strip all of the vowels out of the word Nephilim, you know, because when they wrote that passage of Scripture, they didn't have vowels. So if you take that word itself in Hebrew, nephol, it just means unexplained, unplanned pregnancies, Heidi. Really? Yeah, and so what these entities were doing in Genesis is they were impregnating women, um, taking the consciousness out of the child and placing their own in it. Now, this gets, we got time. We got like like two minutes. I gotta, yeah, got a few minutes yet. Yeah. All right, I'm going to break it down. So <laughs> you it. Know, Genesis 6, when you read it in the King James Version, it's like reading Shakespearean English. Pretty much is, you know, thou, thy, they, and all this stuff, and it's very difficult to get to the bottom of what actually happened. And um, it's it's really interesting. But if what I what I was doing one day is I was trying to get a better under a better understanding and grasp of the phenomenon of Genesis six, right? Who were the Nephilim? Why were they here? What were they doing? And so I got into Genesis six, and I found a Coptic manuscript that was preserved by Egyptian monks, and it's called the Apocryphon of John. And in this. It says that these entities, now let's look at, let's look and see if this is kind of like UFO abduction. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it said that these entities waited until the wives, these women, he said they waited until their husbands left. Very interesting. And then when the husband was gone to get a bottle of wine, or maybe they had died a year before or whatever, that entity would manifest to the woman as her husband, And so it would change its appearance into her husband and then like an incubus would go in and try to coerce her into a physical relationship. Um, So then it says something that really disturbs me. It says that at the moment of uh, conception, again, keeping it PG, man, they stared into the eyes, hello UFO abduction phenomenon, into the eyes of these women and then reversed their apparition to what they really looked like. And so Again, they're playing by different rules because they're playing a different game. What, what game are they playing? Well, let's look at the rules they're employing. So when you go into what they were doing is that was an ancient abstractic tradition that whatever the woman was focused on, the abstractic references to childbearing and fertility, by the way, but the ritual they were performing was basically whatever the woman was focused upon at the moment of conception, usually her husband it would that she would create in her womb the material image of as a child so what they were doing is okay right these are molters right here these are, these have the circular pathology in them but um what they were doing is it wasn't just transpossession right right this was them literally creating a body that looks like their apparition that's so disturbing and oh. then they would step into the skin, grow up with the world as a child, and then that they would be Nephilim. This is why the, the Hebrew word Raphaim is often employed. They were giant but they were also Raphaim. Raphaim means deceased ancestor. These are formerly human individuals and and I'll stop there, but oh, it's such it's a fascinating amazing. Study.
1: Amazing. I, you know, we could talk forever. I just love you. <laughs> I love where you're going with everything. Quickly, can you tell everybody how they could get a hold of you and your information and your events you're going to be having?
6: My website is njgillis.com and you can also find me on Instagram as the Nathaniel Gillis and then on Facebook as the Nathaniel Gillis. And uh, yeah, I have... Uh, This year I have confixes. I'm gonna be at the Dallas Paracon in August and uh, I'll be on a panel of demonology with a couple other great demonologists. And then I have, I think it's the New England Paracon, and okay. then the yeah, I think it's the Ocean State Paracon too. So there's there's a lot of them.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much, Nathaniel Gillis. This was a fascinating talk. All right, everybody, remember to go to my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com, and send me your emails, your comments, your questions about anything and everything out of the ordinary. And you have been listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM paranormal podcast network and we'll catch you next time goodbye everybody
2: well if you liked this edition of dark becomes light wait till you hear the next one you've been listening to the iHeartRadio radio and coast to coast am paranormal podcast network